Welcome to the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique and Vince here, and we're all about helping you develop and fill the areas of void in your leadership. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Leadership Void Podcast. I'm Enrique and Vince, my co-host. We have a special guest for you. We've been waiting for a little while for this, but we're so happy to have him with us. And I'm going to let Vince introduce. And now you see, we have Black in honor of the Army birthday. We're so happy and proud of our Army brethren and sisters. Uh, all they do throughout our nation for as long as they have. We're going to see how long they've been sometime in this episode. But Vince, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. You know, this special edition, it means a lot. Dad, Army, all my uncle's Army. I had to go Air Force, but uh, <laughs> but no, but uh, we're celebrating 246th birthday on June 14th, and today we have none other but from the U.S. Army than Dr. Mark Hurtling. So, Dr. Mark Hurtling, thank you for being here on our show. Just let's kick off and just tell us and share a little bit about you and your evolution in the U.S. Army. Oh, wow. Well, th thanks both of you, Vincent and Enrique, for having me on on this very special day. Uh my evolution in the army. How far back you want to go? You want to go back to log cabins and uh, the War of Independence and all that other stuff. Now, I I joined the army, uh, went off to West Point, and that's a long story in itself. In in 1971, uh, and then retired in 2020, the end of 2012, early 2013. So uh, a total of 38 years in active service, uh, some additional years at the military academy. But truthfully, you know I. By the date, 1971, you, you, you both know that I joined at the height of the Vietnam War. Uh, that was not very popular at the time. I came from a, a low-income family in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, you know, I had a guidance counselor that said, hey, if you want to go to college, you don't have any money, you might want to try this place called the Military Academy. Well, at the time, they weren't uh, real stringent on who they accepted, I guess. So I snuck in. So luck is a big part of me joining. Uh, but what I'll tell you is, you know, I walked onto Central Area, which is the main part of the campus on that very first day on the 1st of July, 1971, and my life changed. Uh, I found a home, uh, and more to the point, as the years progressed, I found a family within the Army. Because like many young people today, I found strength in our Army values, uh, the vow to defend our constitution, which is part of our oath, and a diversity that was, in my view, very different from where I grew up, uh, from, of those who served in our ranks. And that contributed to me seeing the Army as a, as a family. You know, the first 38 years, and by the way, I was thinking of making it a career uh, after 38 years, but they asked me to leave. Uh, we all thought in, within those first couple of years that we would graduate and immediately go to Vietnam. But really the, the transfer of officers and soldiers stopped in 1973, the year I was a sophomore. So by 75, when I graduated as an armor officer, cavalry officer, my first assignment, like many people in the army was in Europe. And service during that Cold War sure was an adventure. Uh, my first job in a tank battalion was patrolling the inner German border, which was still in existence with fellow NATO troops from France and the UK and, and Canada. They were all part of NATO. And, and then the first 
15 part of my year really, uh, for, excuse me, the first 15 years of my career were really focused on the Cold War, uh, not just Europe, but also Korea and some other places. And it was, truthfully guys, as, as you know, the first couple of those years before we went from a conscription force, a draft force to an all volunteer force, we had some major problems with drugs, a huge racial divide, the post-Vietnamese draft soldiers that were still in and wanting to get out. So the Army was really a, a tough organization back in the late 70s, early 80s from the standpoint of people. But in 1978, as we began the movement from the draft to the all-volunteer force, things started to change. I, I don't know how yeah, much more a... you want me to talk about in terms of the evolution, but, but I'll just say that in the 80s, about the time that I was first commanding my first tank company and then an infantry company and another, another tank company, we were beginning to see a revolution in the, in the, in the army and I guess the rest of the military uh, brought on by some people I could name, guys like Don Starry, Creighton Abrams, Julius Becton and others who had lived through Vietnam and saw the shape that the army was in as the senior general officers and realized that if, if we were to be competitive, we had to improve training, doctrine, leadership, modernization of our equipment, uh, and a, a big and better understanding of what our professional values were. Uh, even the advertising campaigns brought about by a guy, a guy named General Max Thurman, you know, you, you watch stripes today and you almost have to laugh at it, but I remember the first advertising campaign of be all you can be and thinking or, or join the people that join the army. And, and those were, you know, when we were having to start advertising for soldiers, that, that was a huge shift in what we had done from the past. You know, I, uh, General, as you go on through this history and you mentioned things like Cold War, it reminds me, hey, I was a Cold War sailor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. So there's been a lot of changes and what I've liked uh, of what you've said, if you brought through some of those changes, uh, even up to now to where the advertisement and most of the services are intensive on their advertisement. And there's been so many slogans, changes and perceptions on how to present that. So a lot of changes have come about. Uh, what changes have you seen uh, and obviously uh, in a limited way there because you got so many so much history yeah, here. Yeah, really. uh, but, but but the changes what are the stark changes that you have seen from when you came in to now well Enrique I, I, I'll tell you in two areas specifically people and the entire system uh, and I'll talk people first you know when I was uh, on a border patrol in Germany and in, in July of 1976 that's when the first class of women, 119 women entered West Point. Uh, you know, there was a WAC Corps, a Women's Army Corps back then, and women were not totally integrated into the ranks. Uh, you know, Desert Storm, uh, we had, I was in a cavalry squadron and we had, uh, you know, all, an all male organization. I was wounded in, in Desert Storm. And in the middle of the night, I, I heard somebody, you know, someone was treating my leg where I was wounded and I heard a woman's voice and it was a female medic who had volunteered to be with the cavalry squadron. And she, you know, really reached out to, to do something that 
no one else was going to do, but she wasn't accepted in that role. Uh, even when they gave him the combat medics badge, she didn't get one because she was attached versus assigned. Uh, we were able to change some of those policies. And in fact, I feel like I was instrumental in some of those changes during OIF one and two, when we allowed women to be assigned to combat units. Um, you know, when I was, an, another one, when I was commander of basic training in 2009 and 10, I had a, a Sikh soldier approach who wanted an exception to policy to have his beard and his kirpan and all the elements of the Sikh faith uh, and was asking for an exception to policy. Just this year, the, the first two Sikh soldiers graduated from West Point as second lieutenants with their beard, their turban, their, their kirpan. So, you know, I, I could go on and on about some of those changes in personnel qualifications, but in the Army of the future, we're at 246 now. By 250 or 255, we're going to have women ranger qualified infantry and armor battalion commanders because they're commanding tank companies today. So those were some of the things that were occurring. We've still got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, you know, we're we're looking at this whole uh, uh, issue of of extremist in the ranks right now. That will be our next challenge. But the other things, I, other than the people piece, Enrique, I also saw the system changes. So in the 1980s, we talked about modernization of equipment, the changes in professionalism, the rewriting of doctrinal manuals to include a leadership manual, the establishment of the training centers, first in California, then at, in Germany, then at Fort Polk, that really has a different approach, a cultural approach to conducting AARs, to how we did things. In the, I mean, when I was a young lieutenant on Reforger and we had tanks fighting each other, we would say, hey, we got you, no, we got you first. And there was the big debate on, you know, in our training centers, who killed who? Well, you have complete situational awareness now within our training centers where young soldiers and commanders can learn how to do their, their business so that they don't learn for the first time on the battlefield. That's the important part. We got to learn in training before we go on the battlefield. I know I'm talking too long because I got too many memories for you, but, but those are some of the things, both the system and the people changes that I've seen over a close to 40 year career. No, that, that is astonishing and amazing. I'll definitely appreciate the evolution and the history, nostalgic for you, but also rewarding for our audience. Hey, we're celebrating the army birthday. So it's good to hear some backdrop what has happened, some changes. And here we're looking, as you mentioned, into the next 10, 20, 30, 50, 246 years. What does that future look like? And what do you think it'll be for the US Army? Well, I, I tell you, the, the, the biggest thing that I see is not only the changes in missions, the kinds of things we're going to do. I, you know, We've all consider ourselves cold warriors there is no Cold War anymore. There's, there's a lot of conflicts out there and different kinds of conflicts. Um, but the thing that's going to remain the same, I think, is the fact that our army is different than all other armies of the world. Our military is different than all other militaries in the world. You know, when I was commander in Europe, I used to go around, I tell this story often, I used to go around and talk to some of our counterparts in other countries. You know, we had 49 countries we were engaging with. And I'd ask them what they took a vow to defend. 
and I'd get answers like, well, we defend the motherland or we defend the fatherland or we defend the king or the queen or El Presidente or whatever. Uh, the Israelis uh, say they, they vow to put themselves between the people and the sea as part of their oath. Our oath is very simple. We defend a piece of paper, uh, a, 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 a constitution that represents our ideas and our values. That will never change, or at least I hope it never changes, because that's what makes us very different in all the world. So as we face these new threats, some say new cold wars, internal cold wars to our country between uh, those on different sides of the divide we face, it's the military that has to stand up and continue to, to exhibit the ideas and the ideals and the values that we stand for. You know, that, that's, so, that's so important. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I hope it never changes. I, I, I'm at the same mind, you know, we all uh, swore an oath to the constitution and, and what, a, what a valuable piece of document that really does set us apart from the world. Uh, it, it's a, not only a national treasure, it's a treasure to my heart. Now we, those values, the way we proceed, you know, protecting that document with our with our very lives out in the battlefield, some saw worse than others. Uh, it really takes a lot of uh, great leadership to get us to that point. Uh, and with great leadership are pearls of wisdom, right? And so what three pearls of wisdom would you share with us about leadership uh, that you see uh, being something that's just monumental you have to have? Well, you know, first of all, you have to be tied into what your mission is. Uh, we have a lot of leaders in some organizations outside the military that are all about self and all about their own ego. And we certainly, don't get me wrong, we certainly have that in the military too, but we always hopefully will be drawn back to the ideals and values of the nation. And the older I get, the, the more I've looked at uh, the doctrinal manuals. You know, the, the military has doctrinal manuals on leadership that really kind of paint the picture of the kinds of characteristics and attributes and behaviors and influence techniques and contextual uh, requirements we have in different organizations throughout the military. So I, I think one of the things that is important for any leader is to continue to learn and grow every day. That's number one. Number two, something that I heard from a, a great mentor of mine that I try to uh, keep, keep in the back of my mind, even in the toughest days, is that leaders never have the right to have a bad day. Now, you know, leaders can certainly have bad days, but they can't show it because everyone in your organization that watches you will feed off of your example and your either positivity or negativity. And hopefully if, if you're not having a bad day, if you always keep the mission and the people in mind, uh, that will keep you going. And, and then the third thing is, is you know, not only learning and growing, not having a bad day, but understanding that you represent the nation. You know, whether you're a four-star general chairman of the Joint Chiefs or a private walking around the streets in Korea or Germany or anywhere you happen to be assigned, people see you as a representation 
of the United States. I once heard a guy call uh, soldiers diplomats in khakis. Uh, I don't know if that expressions of khaki still last, but it, it's, it's a good approach to use that you represent more than any other citizen of the country, what we stand for. So all of those things are important. The way you set an example, never having a bad day and learning and growing every single day of your career. Those are definitely great highlights and pros of wisdom because I remember wanting to wear that uniform because it was an attraction, but you're right. It represents more than just what you donned. So that's great to hear. And soldiers are making sacrifices, supporting our nation, and most importantly, their courage, right? So what tips or what advice would you give to upcoming soldiers? Well, you know, we're, you guys asked me to talk about our current situation. Uh, and, and we are certainly a divided nation. And unfortunately, uh, when we recruit members of the military, no matter what service, we recruit from our civilian base. So those, those soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marine, Coast Guardsmen come into the service with some biases, with some personal background, with some cultural differences. And one of the things that every service attempts to do is really build a coherent team. So I'm getting ready to talk to a couple of, of young high schoolers that are about to go into the military academy and give them some tips on how to survive up there. And one of the things I'm gonna tell them is to understand that what makes our military so strong is an understanding that it's made up of great people, but those great people uh, sacrifice their own personal needs for the greater good of the whole and the coherency of the team and the defense of our national values. So, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I would say is as people join us from all walks of life and all elements of our society, uh, try and find the value in being part of a collaborative and, uh, and a coherent team and contribute what you bring from your diversity to making that team stronger. Yeah, that's uh, important and uh, a value uh, idea there. Uh, General, if someone wanted to contact you, have a dialogue or have you speak for them, how would they do that? Well, I, you know, I've, I've got a pretty active uh, social media account on Twitter, at uh, Mark Hurtling. I sometimes engage and sometimes I leave things alone. You know, there, there are a lot of people wanting me to comment on Mike Flynn and and uh, all kinds of things that I, I have personal feelings about, but I'm not gonna open it up on a social media platform. But if you wanna engage professionally and civilly, I will do that with just about anybody. Uh, but that's my, my main uh, platform is, is Twitter. I've dropped off Facebook for a variety of reasons. And uh, you know, I, I only give my e email address to my friends like you guys, but you know, if, if people get serious on Twitter with me and they want to expand, expand the conversation or have me come talk with them, uh, I'll, I'll give them my email address and we can have a, a extended dialogue there. Extended dialogue, indeed. I definitely want to have another one with you. <laughs> but this was fantastic. Just to have you encapsulate the U.S. Army in a matter of 15, 20 minutes, it didn't do it justice, but gave us a good representation of where it's been and where it's going where it, where in the future. So thank you for your leadership and those pearls of wisdoms. Your diplomats and khakis will definitely stick with me. Um, and for those folks who are listening and want to reach us, 
of the leadership void you can reach us at the leadership void at gmail.com if you have any agenda items you'd like us to talk about in leadership or any special guests you think we should bring on or any ideas please reach out we'll definitely we will love to have you and we are on our quest to reach our 200 subscribers uh on our youtube channel you will have access to great episodes just subscribe and you have a chance to win a wonderful book by one of season one's guests Scott McGregor, uh, Standing O, the Salute Edition, and it's autographed. So help us out with that. And lastly, our radio check. We do this first in the 15th, like a payday uh, opportunity at 1900, just to check back and just give back and say, how are you doing, vets? How are you doing, soldiers, Marine, Airmen, Coast Guards, and then how are we doing, military family? We just want to share that opportunity on LinkedIn Live for you. And, and last we have next week, we're going to the Lone Star State with another dynamic uh, veteran. But today is all about uh, the U.S. Army. So I'll let Enrique close us out. All right, a hearty hua to all my Army <laughs> brothers <laughs> and sisters. Hey, look, I, I, I love y'all. Happy birthday. I hope that it be another 246 after here. And wishing everybody just a bunch of success. General, thank you so much for sharing this platform with us. We are so grateful. Thank you for your leadership over a 40 year span. Wow, that's all I can say, right? Uh, but uh, any party words for us before we go? Yeah, you're saying that 40 year span. I, I realize every time I talk about things, I keep getting older and older and talking about the, the bad old days, but the leaders of today, the, 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 all the military forces, those leaders of today are facing challenges we never faced. Mm. Uh, we had it relatively easy, the three of us and people like us. I know a lot of soldiers today and a lot of sailors and airmen and, and Coast Guardsmen and, they, and Marines, and they'll tell you they'll do their job. Their job is a whole lot tougher than what we ever face, a whole lot more challenges. So God bless them, as you said, Vince, both them and their families who support them because they are uh, a, a true jewel within our society. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Void Podcast. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you are dealing with leadership issues, be sure to write us at theleadershipvoid at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.